0: It's now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Friday, February the 10th, 2023. Coming up in the second hour of the show, Michael McNeely reviews Black Ice, a documentary you can find on Crave. And several films have been adapted from novels and received Oscar nominations this year. Karen McKay from the Center for Equitable Library Access will tell you which books are getting praise. No regional news today, going right to Brock Richardson for a sports chat. Brock, we've got a big Super Bowl preview to get to, but we need to start with a mea culpa. You and I were both dead wrong when it came to the final numbers on the Toronto Blue Jays re-signing Beau Bichette.
1: Yes, we were. The final number comes in at $33.6 million over three years, so we were very wrong
0: yep so instead of a one-bedroom he can now afford a two-bedroom condo in downtown toronto (laughs) uh brock super bowl sunday coming your way this weekend let's get to a bit of a preview but you want to have a little bit of fun in the way we preview this with a couple prop bets and as we go through i'm going to hit you up with a couple of the prop bets that i've already made in my betting app
1: okay uh let's start with some of the uh fun stuff before the game this one always intrigues me uh the national anthem which is being sung by chris stapleton will it be sung in over or under two minutes so brock
0: i have to already offer you a correction here las vegas would be very upset with you you've set the over under too low the actual number is two minutes four and a half seconds on the
1: over under and i am taking the under I, I am taking the under. I must have missed a four and a half second. Though Th- those are a critical four and a half seconds, uh, though. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, yes. Apparently, it would be <laughs> Vegas would be. Very... I am also taking the under, though. Even uh, if it was at two minutes, I would be taking the under on that as well. Uh, because I just don't think Chris Stapleton will be doing a lot of riffing, and I think he'll just sing the anthem, and that'll be the end of the oh,
0: Such a beautiful voice, though. I'm so excited to hear him do the anthem.
1: Yes, he does. And as a country fan, I quite enjoy him. He's, All right, he's playing
0: we... playing at the Budweiser stage this summer in Toronto.
1: Yes, I'm going on a cruise, which oh. is uh, cutting into my budget to go to concert, <laughs> concerts this year. Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. I feel
1: you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's do the uh, the coin toss. Heads or tails, what say one Dave Brown? <laughs> this is the type of
0: bet that I absolutely do not make, but I'll just say heads for the sake of heads. What do you have? I got tails. Okay. <laughs> Splitting that one. 50 50. We'll know we'll know on Monday who hit that one. Good. Brock, the next one you've got is a little bit more related to the coin toss, but about outcomes
1: related to the coin toss. Yes. So who will win the coin toss and thus will they win the game? So uh, I will. I'm giving
0: something away here. I think Philadelphia is going to win the coin toss, and I think Philadelphia is going to win
1: the game. I think I'm going with the um, the running odds because last two or three Super Bowls, the team that won the Super the coin toss did not win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to say Kansas City uh, wins the coin coin toss, and then Philadelphia wins the
0: game. Okay, okay, I like that, good one, Brock. Okay, the next one, we're actually talking about some game action here.
1: Yes, so this one is one that I would, I'd probably put a dollar on this one, just in case it happened. Will the opening kickoff be returned for a touchdown? Yes or no?
0: So I'm specifically going to say no to your question on this one, Brock, but but taking a peek inside my betting app, I have put a dollar on whether a defense or a special teams touchdown occurs during the game at eight to one odds so i do have a one dollar bet on there being a special teams touchdown but i wouldn't bet so specifically on it being the opening kickoff what do you think
1: i wouldn't bet it being on the opening kickoff yes we saw that happen uh twice in buffalo a number of uh weeks ago but it doesn't happen all that often and it and the super bowl everyone's gonna be sure for that not to happen so i'm going with no but i would put a dollar on that one just in case it happened to uh, (laughs) happen to happen and then i might be rich fair enough well I, I,
0: i i would love to see what the odds on that one are i don't know what the odds are on that one i can't i can't i can't find that in real time okay what's
1: up next All right, let's do, and I might be missing one here, uh, but you can fill me in if I am. Uh, What will be the first play of the game? Will it be a pass, a run, a trick play, or a fumble?
0: So I'm working on the assumption that Philadelphia is winning the coin toss and deferring, therefore giving Kansas City the ball first. Kansas City is going to throw the ball on the
1: first play. Yeah, I'm also going to go with a. Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to go with a run on this one. I think a run is the the simple way to kind of get the jitters out of the way. Um, you know, just to say we're in we're in the uh, in the game here. So, yeah, that's my that's prediction a, that's a good that
0: one. one. Your ne- your next one is about field goals, and just FYI, I've got a field goal bet that I've already posted in here as well. But uh, what's your question about field goals? Will any field goal
1: hit the crossbar? I'm going to go with no. What do you think? I'm going to go with no as well because weather is not going to play a factor and the Dallas Cowboys are not (laughs) in the Super (laughs) Bowl.
0: This is... This is my theory so i do have a field goal bet in i've got three dollars on the longest field goal being over 47.5 yards because Ooh. in arizona you can just bomb kicks in that stadium the ball travels a little bit further and the turf is very friendly to field goal kickers i think we're going to get some a long field goal in this one so i took the over what do you think about that prop bet
1: i think we're gonna get a long field goal as well uh, just because of the environment. I would go on the over on that as well, uh, Brock. You've got another one identified
0: here that is one of the fun ones. After the game, it's always a fantastic uh, bet on the uh, on the on the prop sheets you get at Super Bowl parties. Lay on the question about Gatorade.
1: Yes. So uh, let's talk about what color Gatorade will be poured on the winning coach. I'm going to go in order of what i know the betting favorites to be so we've got orange yellow green blue uh red pink uh clear water purple or none well wow, i can't
0: believe purple is below clear water okay fair enough so brock i have inside information on this do you want to hear it yes the kansas city chiefs Every Gatorade bath they've hit Andy Reid with uh, when they've won Super Bowls or big championship games has been orange. They tend to be dumping the orange Gatorade. On the flip side, it seems any camera shot I've caught of Philadelphia drinking Gatorade during the playoffs, it's been the yellow-green lemon-lime. So the top two favorites you have listed there would be the two bets to make, depending on who you think would win. So I'm going with the yellow-green.
1: Yes, and I'm also going with the yellow green if Philadelphia wins, and the orange if uh, Kansas City wins. Which, by the way, I just, I just think that that is the weirdest thing to do to a coach at the end of a game. But <laughs> everybody gets gets so excited to watch it, and uh, yeah, it's you'd, it's pretty cool. You'd That's be so first...
0: sticky. You'd be so yeah, sticky I, afterwards. I like, like, how am I supposed to celebrate winning the Super Bowl if I'm all sticky? And I can't raise my arms because I'm no stuck
1: where I am, you know? Like, it just,
0: yeah. It's... Brock, let me, uh, let me share you my two other bets that are individual player props. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles receiver Devontae Smith over four and a half catches. Over four and a half catches. What do you think of that one? My my theory being that he is Mr. Get Open, and he does that in championship games. Yeah,
1: I think you're going to see about six or seven uh catches for him so Uh, yeah i would i would go on the over on that one i've also
0: got kansas city chiefs tight end travis kelsey at over six and a half catches again he's their number one offensive weapon and their wide receivers are all banged up in kansas city so he's going to be the number one target all game long
1: yes i agree with that one as well there's going to be some uh amped up with the kelsey brothers uh because they uh they're playing against each other, and that Super Bowl will we'll run through the household with one brother or the other, but not both. Obviously.
0: Yeah, Jason Kelsey playing center for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles on their offensive line. Uh,
1: Brock, another prop that I've put in,
0: over five and a half total sacks for the game. I believe Philadelphia is going to get after Mahomes four or five times, and I think the Kansas City defensive line is quite good, and it's going to catch Jalen Hurts a few times. So, about the over on the total sacks?
1: And total sacks? Okay, Uh, yes total sacks i would say over on the five and a half i i think that both teams are going to be doing a lot of blitzing and coming after the quarterback so yes i would agree if it was individual team i would be be a little uh, on on the under on that one but combined yes i would agree
0: brock i already gave it away i think the philadelphia eagles are going to win and win the super bowl so they've got my dave stink all over them what do you think is the final outcome
1: of the game I think the Philadelphia Eagles uh, win this game, and I don't actually think it's going to be a very competitive game. I've been saying all week that my final score prediction will be 27-10. Philadelphia Eagles, they have been the complete team all year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes just simply isn't going to be 100%. I think it's fine and dandy that he's had five and a half hours of, you know, physical therapy during this time off i just don't think he's going to be 100 percent, and philadelphia is going to make him move and they're going to blitz him all all night and it's not going to be pretty if you're kansas city in my opinion
0: well brock now it's all on the record so monday morning when you and i get together for the sports chat people can tell us how wrong we were just like the boba contract brock have a great weekend enjoy the super bowl my friends Thank you so
1: much. Enjoy all the good eats that go along. Oh, with as well.
0: oh yeah, the P- Brock. Daily poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. What's the best Super Bowl snack? Is it wings? Is it chili? Is it pizza? Or is it nachos? Uh,
1: I gotta go with chili. I'm having uh, Catherine make uh, Josh and I a pot of chili, and chili is on the top of the list. Tonight.
0: Oh, that's my boy right there. Well done, Brock. Yeah. That's, that's Brock Richardson. He is the host of The Neutral Zone. Super Bowl taking place this Sunday on CTV. Let's head over to Alex Smythe. He has the national weather updates.
2: Here is your AMI national weather report from Environment Canada, starting off in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. It is cloudy with snow starting later, and there is a snowfall warning in effect as it gets heavier as the day goes on into the evening. The high is minus 7. Wind chill, minus 15. In Charlottetown, PEI, it's uh, quite an ugly day out. It's snow changing to ice and rain later. There is also freezing rain possible today. Up to 10 centimeters of snow is expected, and ice, uh, snow and ice, and then up to two millimeters of rain expected. There's also wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is four degrees with a wind chill of minus 13, and obviously a special weather statement is in effect. In St. John, New Brunswick, there's freezing rain, changing to rain in the morning with up to two millimeters expected. The high is seven degrees. In Quebec City, Quebec, it's freezing rain, changing to snow, and up to 10 centimeters is is expected to fall. There's also wind gusts up to 70 kilometers per hour. The high is zero, the wind chill minus 12, and there is a winter storm warning in effect for the area. In Toronto, Ontario, it's cloudy with a chance of rain today, Wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour, and a high of four degrees. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it's cloudy with a chance of snow. Wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is minus four, but feeling closer to minus 14. In Brandon, Manitoba, it's sunny, a high of minus two, but feeling quite bitter with that wind chill, more like minus 22. In Regina, Saskatchewan, it's mainly sunny today, The high is zero degrees, but again, that wind chill makes it feel quite cool at minus 16. In Lethbridge, Alberta, it's also mainly sunny. The wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour though, but the high is eight degrees. In Red Deer, Alberta, the similar conditions, mainly sunny. There's wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is five degrees. Up in Whitehorse, Yukon, it is mainly cloudy with a chance of snow, but then clearing up in the afternoon. The high is minus six with a wind chill of minus 15. In Kelowna, BC, it is mainly cloudy with a chance of snow or rain today. The high is four degrees and it's feeling like minus five. Finally, in Vancouver, BC, it is mainly cloudy with rain expected and there is a risk of thunderstorms and hail as well, so be sure to watch out for that. The high for the day
0: is 10 degrees. And that's our AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, Michael McNeely has a review of the documentary Black Ice. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. now with Dave Brown on AMI. A new documentary called Black Ice examines the history of anti-black racism in the sport of hockey. The film is available to stream on Crave. Here to tell you more about it is Michael McNeely. Hey, good morning, Michael. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm well. So, Michael, you are a lawyer, and a term that stood out to you in this movie is poisoned environment. Why does that
3: term sum it up nicely? I believe the term poisoned environment came from sexual harassment cases, but I do feel like it applies here with our discussion of racism in hockey. And ultimately, what it means is that when bullying is allowed to go without any punishment or consequence, then it's basically seen as approved by by you know, managers, by administrators, by facilitators, and it just goes unchecked, and it's encouraged again and again and again, because there's no punishment for it, there are no consequences. So ultimately, the bullying can just happen again.
0: Part of the film explores the story of the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes. What
3: did you learn about this league? Well, I had known about the Colored Hockey League since last year, when we watched that um, short film together, Icebreakers. But I learned that the history is very rich. The history is very important. Um, In fact, the Colored Hockey League came up with a lot of innovations that are still used in modern day hockey. So for example, the stop shot is an invention of the Colored Hockey League, but was never given its due. And also, the ability for the goalie to move around the not, and to participate more in the game is also an invention of the Colored Hockey League. So it's fascinating to learn about these historical developments and how they've changed the game over time
0: this film included many voices of players from minor hockey and major hockey whose stories stood out to you
3: well i'd like to first give a shout out to Bob carnegie and he was revolutionary in terms of what he did with hockey in the 1940s and 50s he faced a lot of racism and a lot of challenges um one of the challenges that he faced was when he wanted to go and play in new york he had to face a very racist regime that would only pay him less than what he was playing for in quebec and after three times after being mobile three times He ultimately was blacklisted for the rest of his life because he was seen as being too difficult to play with. But he was simply just trying to get the contract that he thought was reasonable. Also, another interesting thing with Herb Carnegie is that when he was playing in Toronto, um, the owner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Basically, said I will. I will. Take, I will give you ten thousand dollars if you can turn him white. So that just shows a lot of the challenges that people face and still face to this day. Um, another player that is interesting to look at is Akeem Ayu, who is one as the main character of Black Ice, and he he explains, and it's devastating to watch his interaction with Bill Peters. Well, he was listening to some music and Bill Peters just came in and whipped off his Walkman or whipped off his earbuds and basically said, don't listen to this music, it's not appropriate. I used the N-word to to hope his argument, which of course is not appropriate. And so I was uh, basically in an awkward position because he depended on Bill Peters to continue playing hockey, but didn't feel safe with him. And so again, that's why we talked about a poisoned environment.
0: After hearing some of these stories, what did you take away from this documentary?
3: I believe I took away that hockey is, of course, a Canadian pastime and very much part of our Canadian culture, but not everyone is given equal access to it, and that's extremely disappointing. We can do better, especially for a sport that helps define us as a country. Everyone should have the opportunity to play hockey if they want to, and they should feel safe in a locker rooms and interactions with their management.
0: Michael, you mentioned the short film Icebreakers that you reviewed last year that dealt with a similar subject matter. How different was Black Ice in comparison?
3: I believe the films are quite similar. I believe that Josh Crooks, who is the protagonist of Icebreakers, could have been in this film. I think one of my critiques would be that I think Black Ice should have referenced Icebreakers.
1: Because I think icebreakers was um was, you know,
3: it was fundamental in terms of helping us understand the colored hockey league. But I I understand maybe why this film black guys may not have my friends but I just think it was kind of a missed opportunity. Josh Cooks was really looking for an understanding of his heritage. And where he came from, and he also faced racism in the locker rooms and on the ice. So I think he could easily in these these people that we're talking about. Michael, what are some areas
0: you would improve in the documentary?
3: So first of all, I would try and, you know, um, put the events in chronological order. The documentary seems a little scattershot. So I would have started the documentary with a um, description of the escape from slavery of many of these players that played in the Colored Hockey League, because um, the Colored Hockey League was actually comprised of many teams that had names related to the age of slavery and related to freedom and the emancipation. So that's why those teams took on significant then, afterwards, in the chronology, I would have addressed Herb Carnegie and other experiences of Black hockey players in history. Then I would have concluded with the most recent experiences, including um, a young man named Matt, who is experiencing racism at this present time. So I think just having some historical context and being able to tell the chronology would help us understand, you know, um, that racism is still a very important and negative aspect of our day-to-day lives to this day. Um, Secondly, I would try and be more consistent with the censorship of the N-word that is happening in the film. So the N-word is expressed in full in audio but in closed captioning and subtitles, it is censored. So I don't think people with disabilities need censorship if there is no censorship in the audio. However, there's still a good point that maybe the N-word should be censored or bleeped in both versions, in both the audio and in the captioning because the, the word itself can be damaging and triggering, especially to children. Who this movie may serve as an educational film.
0: To your mind, what's the enduring message of Black
3: Ice? Oh, that the enduring measures is that we would not be here without black hockey players. We would not be here without the rich diversity that is Canada. We would not be here today enjoying this sport without these contributions that we've already discussed. And without the U.I. struggle of people willing to call out discrimination whenever they see it, unfortunately, when discrimination has been called out in the past, there have been repercussions, and those people have lost opportunities. So it's only failed for us to recognize those contributions to our history and to our development. Michael, thank you for this. I hope that everyone is able to enjoy the film on Crave and also don't forget about icebreakers to the NFB. Thank you very much.
0: That's Michael McNeely with a review of the documentary Black Ice, which, as Michael mentioned, you can stream on Crave and you can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael D. McNeely, at Michael D. McNeely. McNeely is spelt with two E's. Coming up after the break, it's roundtable time. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV before Alex Smythe gets his hands on the round table. A reminder about the Daily Poll, which you can find at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. What is the best Super Bowl snack? Is it chicken wings, nachos, pizza, or chili? And, of course, you can go off the board, but then you have to write in. Let's hit Rumia and Nazreen with this question before Alex takes over. Nazreen, what's the best Super Bowl snack?
4: i didn't really think about chili being a super bowl snack that's was, what alex uh, said uh, that's crazy i uh i was aiming between chicken wings and nachos okay
0: well chicken wings is going to relate to alex's topic ramia what's mm-hmm. your vote
5: 100 percent chicken wings 100
2: percent.
0: okay so you guys seem to have some uh, solidarity here with mr smythe alex your round table topic is all about them wings
2: Uh, Yeah. And and just really expanding on that. So, you know, it's, uh, as the the poll indicated, Super Bowl is this weekend. It's all about, you know, getting together. It's having that uh, community uh, event. It's it's a party. And food is always a big part of the game. For me, it's always involving chicken wings. But I, I wanted to ask each of you, like, what is the best party food or snack? So, uh, Nisreen, let's start with you. What what's the top like party food or snack that you want whenever you're you're at an event or a party?
4: I would say uh, just the simplest thing is pizza. It's just less messy than chicken wings. I'm obsessed with chicken wings, but when it comes to a Super Bowl or games like that, people get overly excited and I'm scared about my furniture and the mess that comes <laughs> afterwards. See, I overthink these things and I know people, maybe it's by accident or whatever, they get overly excited about stuff. so i'm always just watching that i'm like okay are you gonna stay in my couch are you gonna stay in this blah 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 mm-hmm. so um i always do think about the mess afterwards it's- i i mean I think it just depends on who you're inviting.
0: Nazreen, you are not off base here. I am with you 100%. Chicken wings are delicious, but they are meant to be eaten alone in shame. They are not meant for public <laughs> consumption because it's very messy. There's bones everywhere. There's sauce everywhere. Now, we, now there's a million plates on the coffee table. There's paper towels and wet naps everywhere. Yes. Mm. Wings should be eaten alone in shame or at a bar that specializes in wings where they take away your shame after you're done. Ramya, where do you stand on great party food and maybe a a take on my take of chicken wings?
5: Yeah, no, I I disagree with you completely, Dave. I would like (laughs) to eat chicken wings wherever, whenever. And, you know, if the pandemic has taught me anything, it's not to care. So so I think that I've become... Well,
0: you are not invited to to Nazreen's house now. And doesn't trust you around her couch.
5: I know. Sorry, Nez. Like, Mm. don't have me at your house. It's not just about chicken wings. It's for more more foods. Uh, But (laughs) I think (laughs) we like putting out a smorgasbord of snacks when we do parties or gatherings. So anything that's just like... uh, Uh, chips popcorn that kind of thing but yo for me personally i like having cheese and crackers is that basic like i I love love having different cheeses and different crackers and breads and oils and vinegar Yeah, charcuterie board yep. is it too yeah, classic
4: like to
0: have that it. For no it? you can have like you can have upscale crackers and like simple enough cheeses that Absolutely. are still upscale like for sure people love that as you get older maybe a little rolled up salamis or like little rolled yes. up like little meats yes. as well and the bread board. and
5: oil and vinegar thing yeah. that people do
0: i love that just all of but it. now we're getting messy again now like now know, the sim- now we're losing the simplicity um <laughs> let's say Alex is throwing a party and we all get to bring something. Romeo what are you bringing? You're bringing that charcuterie board?
5: Yeah, I'm bringing cheese and crackers for sure.
0: Okay, all right, charcuterie yeah. board, cheese and crackers. Cheese. And I And I am going to bring, because typically I would love to say like, oh, I'm gonna bring some mozzarella sticks, but then I gotta make them in Alex's oven. Now I've become someone who is a burden on Alex's party. So you know what I'm bringing? Just some dips and some chips. You know, nice. just bring in a nice three-layer dip with some sour cream, salsa, and cheese. Maybe throw a couple of jalapenos in there, a couple of jalapenos, and uh, we can all have some dips together and have a nice time. Nazreen, what are you bringing to Alex's house?
4: Um, I would say uh, maybe like some either different types of chips or uh, maybe those cheese sticks. It's they're, They come in just like a big circle. It looks like a pizza, but you just grab pieces of it. Um, I don't know the exact name of it, but we make it all the time at home. Um, But I'm thinking about Ramia because we had this conversation before and it would be like, what type of person are you at, you know, a gathering where a potluck, basically. So she was telling me she's the type of person that would offer plates and (laughs) cups. (laughs) <laughs> or <laughs> soda, okay? <laughs> and I feel like you telling me that you're going to bring a charcuterie board is just... um No, not a full charcuterie something board. something different. Okay,
0: <laughs> okay. Part of one. Part
4: it's good. Of one. I just want to, yeah, just clarify, you know?
0: <laughs> Alex, you got to be quick here. What should be yeah. retired from party foods? Yeah, I, I think
2: it's probably got to be like some of the, the veggies. I always find whenever I'm at a party... You know, you'll get a couple of the veggies are uh, end up, like, getting eaten, but 90% of them just get left there. And then mm-hmm. they're sitting out all evening, and then you're, do I keep them? Do I toss them? Do I try to use them somewhere else? I, I find it's like, people aren't eating the veggies. We're, we're at a party, we're going to stuff our face with everything delicious. Veggies are a bit down on the,
0: the list of things that people go for. you got to be quick here, guys. got to move fast on this. We're running out of clock here. We can't rush Karen McKay. Nazreen, what should be retired from parties?
4: I would say if you're bringing chili, that should be retired. Oh, okay, okay, easy oh over gosh. there.
0: Ramya, we'll have our own party Kill. where you can stain my furniture all you want. Uh, Ramya, you. what should be retired? Will Chili and we'll stain, we'll stain my sofa with chili. What should be retired from uh, party foods?
5: Yeah, definitely vegetables. Fruit too, unless you're doing fondue definitely veggies uh,
0: you see all these fondues and like even salads like anything that requires too many utensils get it out of here we're to party mm-hmm. eat with your hands make sure there's a couple paper towels around make sure there's clearly marked garbage cans and away you go that's how we party guys got to wrap up here we mentioned a lot of super bowl football talk today we haven't talked about rihanna nazreen what's her first song what's the first song rihanna's gonna play on sunday
4: oh uh i want a throwback like a uh, umbrella or Pondering, <laughs> but I know she's not going
0: to play it through a back, That's I, for sure. I mean, I would, uh, maybe maybe umbrella. That's Alex, a dream. It's Alex, a dream. what's what's what's, R- what's Rihanna's first song on uh, on Sunday?
2: Uh, you know, Dave, I don't know Rihanna enough. I, I basically know
0: uh, umbrella or Ponder Play, so I would have gone with one of those two. Let's say umbrella. Gasp. Oh, all right, fair enough. Uh, with Alex Nazarene, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Alex, enjoy a couple days off. You don't have to carry me on Monday. That'll be Mike Ross's job. Thank you. <laughs> Rumia, before I say goodbye to you, what is Rihanna's first song? Uh, I think it's going to be Please Don't Stop the Music. That's a good one. I like that mm-hmm. one. Uh, Rumia, you are the co-host of Kelly and Rumia, which heads our way 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV and AMI-audio. What's the best thing on the show today?
5: okay who saw this coming chat gpt has some competitors out there google and microsoft are <laughs> announcing their own uh chat gpt version so we're gonna find out more about that with john beeler on the app show right on
0: rumya it's gonna be your job to carry me on monday a little bit too so uh, good luck okay all right, thank you. No, we Enjoy need, your day off. need lots. Of, well, no, well, I'm I'm working. <laughs> I'm working. Oh. I'm just going to be uh, maybe not all the way here physically uh, or mentally. So uh, it's going to be your job and Mike Ross's job and Brock Richardson's job and Michelle McQuig's job and Marco Pasqua's wow. job to just sort of uh, haul me around and make sure the show gets there. It
5: takes a village,
0: right? It takes a village to carry my hungover butt around. Ramya, have a great weekend. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. You that too. is too. I'm within the co-host of Kelly and Company, coming your way. Not Kelly and Company, Kelly and Rumia. 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Coming up next, several books that were converted into movies have picked up nominations for Academy Awards. Karen McKay will take a look at a couple of these Oscar nods. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. it's now with dave brown the oscars are a month away several of the nominated films are adapted from books here to highlight a few of those titles is karen mckay karen is the communications manager at the center for equitable library access hey good morning karen great to chat with you once again good
6: morning happy friday
0: oh happy friday indeed although i'm working tomorrow so tomorrow is friday for me that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna get get by uh karen of the nominated films which ones were based on novels
6: So there's four. Uh, Women Talking, which was written, a book written by Miriam Tapes, is Mm. nominated for both Best Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay. It was written and directed by Sarah Polly, who's an author in her own right. And I saw the movie. It's fantastic. Then there's the book All Quiet on the Western Front. That's been nominated for a Best Picture. It was based on the 1929 book by Eric Maria Remark and Arthur Wesley Ween. And it's been adapted for film and TV before. And then of course we've got black panther which is based on the marvel comic books and the last one is mrs harris goes to paris which is based on a book written in 1958 by paul gallico and it's been nominated for best costumes
0: i remember when mrs harris goes to paris was coming out in theaters you highlighted that one for us because you were pretty excited about it in a lot of these cases these are intellectual properties that have existed for a while so where do they stand in terms of accessible formats
6: So we have all of these ones that I've mentioned in our collection. So uh, with the exception of Black Panther, we've got some kid books of Black Panther, but the comic books are not accessible, unfortunately. But I would highly recommend picking up Women Talking if you haven't already read that book.
0: Yeah, we've had that conversation a few times on air, but the Mm -hmm. difficulty in making uh, graphic novels and comic books more inclusive. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of progress being made, but it's a very difficult task.
6: It's much slower than we would like. We'd love mm-hmm. to make these more
0: accessible to folks. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of that's one of the next horizons that we're all sprinting towards. for <laughs> uh, K- sure. Karen, speaking of the incredible collection you have at CELA, you wanted to feature a couple of titles this week that have to do with nominees for the Evergreen Award, an award that you have shouted out pretty much every year on the show because of how important it is. It's handed out by the Ontario Library Association's Forest of Reading Program, which is encouraging people of all ages to read more. It's something that you you and I both believe, is very, very critical. So you wanted to highlight four different titles, beginning with Sea of Tranquility, a novel by Emily St. John Mandel.
6: Yeah, so this is her latest one. She's the award-winning author of Station Eleven, which is currently a Canada Read selection. It's it's an interesting book, so it's a very sort of quiet, slow-build story. Um, It's based on the idea that there is sort of a blip in the matrix. So the idea is that Edwin arrives in Canada. He's one of the main characters. He arrives in Canada in 1912. He's 18 years old. He's crossed the Atlantic because he's been exiled from polite society um, abroad. And he enters into a Canadian forest and he's just spellbound by the beauty, but here's hears the notes of a violin echoing in the airship terminal and it sort of shocks him to his core. Two centuries later, another character, Olive Llewellyn, she's on a book tour. She's traveling all over earth, but her home is on the moon. Uh, and within the the text of her best-selling pandemic novel lies this very strange passage about a man who plays the violin uh, for change in the corridor of an airship terminal. And so these two stories start to weave together. There's um, a a young man named Gaspere Jacques Robert, and he's a detective. From the black sky night city and he's hired to investigate this anomaly in the north american wilderness and he uncovers this series of lives that have all been upended by this music that these folks here playing so he gets the chance to see how he has the opportunity to do something extraordinary extraordinary that will disrupt time and uh time and space so mandel uses this very um Rethral sort of idea of time and space and place and the pandemic to weave together questions about what is real how do we know what's real what does it mean i think she captures that feeling that um as that perhaps you have that your sort of experience of time has shifted during the pandemic and so it's a very uh it's a very poetic very beautiful novel uh, that really spans the range of time and space and place. It's, um, it's a tough one to describe. There's lots going on in this book.
0: Oh, it sounds fascinating, though. Definitely one worth checking out this weekend. What about Valley of the Bird Tale by Andrew Snyderman and Douglas Sanderson?
6: So I think this is a really important book, and I'm so glad to see it on the list. So it follows the true story of two towns in Manitoba. One's called Rossburn, and one's called Wewe Capo, which is an Indian reserve. And they've been neighbours nearly as long as Canada has been a country. But they're divided by this beautiful valley and river, and by 150 years of racism. So their story is told by two authors, Andrew Steinerman is a a settler and Douglas Sanderson is an Indigenous author, and they met in uh, law school actually. And so this story reflects what's gone on in the relations between Canada's Indigenous people and the non-Indigenous Canadians. Rossburn was settled by Ukrainian immigrants who fled poverty and persecution, and their family income is actually near the national average, and more than a third of their adults graduate from university. While across the river in Wewe Capo, the average family lives far below the national poverty line, and less than a third of their adults have graduated from high school. Most of them are haunted by their time in residential schools. And so it's the story about how these two communities become separate and unequal, and what it means for the rest of us. The book tells a story. It follows multiple generations of these two fam of two families. One's white and one's indigenous, and it sort of weaves their story into the larger story of Canada. And it shows how these families um, change over uh, legislation and the change in culture, how their fortunes change. It covers a lot of history about the treatment of Indigenous folks and about um, immigrants as well. We get a very clear view about the power of education and the ongoing tragedy of underfunded schools on reserves. But we also get a bit of hope. They start to track some of the changes that happen as there's more funding coming into the schools. It's a really beautiful book. It's very thoughtful. It's well written. It's not too academic, but you do learn a lot of history in it. Um, And I just think it's a wonderful way for two... Very, authors from very different perspectives to tell this story and help us learn more about what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong.
0: Oh, Karen, a couple really fascinating structural books to feature there. You've got another one here that's about lived experience, A Son of Elsewhere, a memoir in pieces by Elamin abdul Mahmoud.
6: Yeah, so folks may know him. He's um, a CBC commentator. He's got his own podcast now. This is a, his first book. It's human narrated and it's read by author and because it's a memoir i think that gives it sort of a bit of um, extra authenticity so it's a very funny very witty collection on blackness on faith on pop culture and on the sort of challenges and rewards of finding one's way in the world so at 12 years old Elamine emigrates with his family from sudan and they end up in kingston ontario which is arguably one of the most homogeneous cities in north america and he says at the airport, he's handed his blackness like a passport. It said He said it only took two stop hours and 19 hours of flying total for me to become black. So like all teens, he spends his adolescence trying to figure out who he is, but he has to do it while balancing this new sort of racial identity and all the false assumptions that come with it. He learns to fit in, and he there's a couple of funny quotes, and, but very insightful quotes. He says he eventually becomes every liberal white dad's favorite person in the room, So he spends a long time trying to figure out his identity and where he's going to go. Uh, He really gives sort of full voice to each and every one of these different selves that he tries on. He reflects on how the OC taught him about falling in love, why watching wrestling allows him to reinvent himself, and what it's like to be a Muslim teen in the aftermath of 9-11. There's a really beautiful essay in the book about the 401 highway in Ontario and what it represents. So I think this is really um, an important book for folks to read because it does talk about the immigrant experience. It talks about the the um, racial realities that folks who are black or who come from different ethnic uh, backgrounds experience in our culture. And it's just, it's a really funny, insightful, book. I think it's well worth picking
0: up. Karen, I'm working tomorrow and the Super Bowls on Sunday. You have to stop recommending these great reads on a weekend (laughs) when I'm so busy. I have to hold you to literally a minute on this, Karen. Tufa by Tufa Jallo.
6: So we've talked about this book before. Tufa Jallo was a 19 year old daughter uh, in her in a Muslim family. She was dreaming of a scholarship in Gambia. She she put together a play uh, she entered into a beauty competition, it's called the Presidential Competition, and she won. She attracted the attention of the ruler of Gambia who um, follows her around. He's he's good to her to begin with, but he ends up raping her and she uh, realizes she has to escape Gambia. So she flees and she comes to Canada. And when she's here, she accuses him of rape. And it actually starts the I Am Too far, the Me Too movement in Africa. She gives voice to uh, the idea of rape, the language from her home. Uh, They don't have any words for that. They don't have any body autonomy as women in, in her culture. And so she starts a conversation that really changes the world. She was 19 when it happened. It's just a phenomenal story of an incredibly brave, inspiring, resourceful young woman. And it really gives you perspective on how much privilege
0: we have in this country. Karen, that's the word that I think would link all four of these together. There's just valuable, valuable perspective. Karen, we always appreciate your insight into the world of literature. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks so much. You too. That's Karen McKay, communications manager for the Center for Equitable Library Access. That's all the time we have for the show today. It's all the time we have for the show this week. It's time to say thank you to the people who put this show together on the daily. Until Monday, I'm Dave Brown, reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Let's roll them credits.
2: Host Dave Brown. Co host producer Alex Smythe. Sports reporter Brock Richardson. Contributors Rami Muthan, Nazreen Abdelmajid. Senior show producer Andrika Delanerol. Visual producer Bruce Baclarion. Producers Paul Daniel, Marianne Dion Jones. Production assistant Kingsley Juco. Director Anastasia Spalding Stenhouse. Control room operators Daniel Panamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Manager of Operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of Live Production, Paula Denine. Director of Content Development, Kara Nye. Vice President of Programming, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. NAMI Original Production.